a true fact. Most people discover they've lost their mobile phone much more quickly than if they've lost their wallet. Giant Asian companies have used that fact to leap past North America and Europe in mobile payments technologies. Platforms like Alipay and WeChat Pay now account for more than 50% of payments in China. And as Asia slowly emerges from the impact of COVID-19, these payment platforms are a leading indicator for re-emerging economic activity. What can we learn from Asia about what is next after coronavirus? In this edition of FinTech Friday, Glimmer of Hope, Asian payments slowly come back to life. I'm Silvio Tavares here in San Francisco on April 3rd, and this is FinTech Friday. It's great to be with you. On the show today, we're looking at the good news coming out of China, Japan, and South Korea. Let's face it, we all need a little good news right now. These East Asian countries were the first to take a hit from coronavirus, and they're now starting to slowly reopen for business. Our guest is Lu Dong, the CEO of Take Me Pay, based in Tokyo, Japan. The company's a leading payments platform and gateway. And Lu's a really smart guy. He's a former Goldman Sachs banker and an MBA from Stanford Business School. He was born in China, but lives in Japan. Hi, Lu. Good morning. Hi, Silvio. Good morning. Lu, you're in Tokyo right now. You've got employees both in Japan and China. So just to cut right into it, what one word would you use to describe the payments industry in Japan right now? I would say chaos. Wow, chaos. Okay. Um, there's a lot going on. Um, let me ask you the same question for China, because I know you've got a team in China. What one word would you describe uh, for the payments industry in China? Opportunity. Right. Chaos and opportunity. So tell me a little bit about the chaos part in Japan. So you may not know how many payment methods are there in Japan right now. There are more than 1,000. So among the more than 1,000 payment methods, uh, there are about 600 credit cards, and another, uh, I would say, a couple hundred uh, point cards and house cards, and only QR code payment itself. There are about 400 right now in Japan. Wow. Okay. Now I understand your, yeah. your point about chaos. There's just a lot going on. What about um, in China? You talked about opportunity. Okay. So you may have already known that WeChat Pay and Alipay, they're two main dominant players in China. So the two together, you know, takes about 98% of the market share, right? So WeChat Pay started in 2013 and Alipay, although started much earlier, but it only exists online. So from 2013, the competition between the two smartphone payment brands started offline. So that really got started. And until last year, I saw the game was over. Well, most people thought the game was over because two of them took um, 98% of market share. Whereas the new trend is the bank apps start putting in QR code, starting with the Union Pay app. And in the app, they can all start doing payments. So... The new opportunity, what I see right now in China is the hundreds of banks that started using QR code payment bypassing WeChat and Alipay. I think that's really interesting and new. Fascinating. Um, sort of revenge of the Chinese banks on Alipay and WeChat Pay. 
Um, but your business is really positioned um, in between China and Japan. You're enabling Chinese uh, tourists to come to Japan and, and pay for things. Um, tell me a little bit more about what Take Me Pay does. Everything started in 2015 when I came back to Japan from China. So I spent 10 years, 2004 to 2014 in China, where things in China started from no smartphone to smartphone, from no smartphone payment to smartphone payment. When I moved back to Japan in 2014, I found there were no QR code based smartphone payments in Japan. And I predicted it will happen in Japan just the same as China. However, there could be more smartphone payment brands in Japan than in China. But I didn't know at the time there were going to be 400 more. Um, so what I started was in 2015, I developed a technology to combine all smartphone payments together and using one QR code, right, which will uh, make uh, the merchant life so much easier. That's excellent um, and very innovative. Let me ask a question. You've already gone through peak coronavirus in Japan and in China. What can we learn from you in Japan and China that we can apply to our businesses here in North America and Europe? So let me just speak of China a little bit. I don't want to comment too much on the political side and the healthcare side. I'm not an expert of that. But I'm just going to give you one interesting example of how big data and digital application has changed uh, the situation or helped the situation of COVID-19 in China. So one example is uh, a QR code. So when people before they get into a, a subway or even a supermarket, there's a QR code for people to scan. By scanning that QR code, the information of the user is linked with the location at a certain time. So even for uh, different cars of the subway, they have a different QR code. So if there's a person got infected by COVID-19 that discovered in that certain car, in that certain train, and all the people in the same car who scan the QR code will get, get a warning, actually get a yellow sign on their phone, right? So basically by using this uh, method, um, China has been tracking literally every single person yeah, absolutely. And and what you're saying is, you know, that same technology, the QR code that you use for payments is being used in China to track um, the location and healthcare status of people that could be potentially impacted by COVID-19. Same QR code, but two completely different applications. Exactly. Now, you talked about uh, the situation being different in Japan. What are you seeing in Japan in terms of COVID-19 and the impact on payments and commerce? In terms of the the businesses and, and, and the companies, I would say it, it definitely slowed down because uh, people just generally don't go out um, um, at all or don't go to work and go out eating. So it really uh, caused a lot of damage to the retail industry and the restaurant industry. However, uh, one interesting phenomena uh, we're, we're you know, observing is people are using more uh, smartphone payments proportionally to cash or credit card because people just try to avoid uh, contact of uh, media, you know, between people such as cash or credit card because you pass cash or pass a credit card to each other and people touch it, right? That's fascinating. Um, so basically, people view mobile payments as a cleaner way to pay. Exactly. And have you seen the same uh, phenomenon in China where people um, had already largely migrated to mobile payments? Yes, certainly. Um, 
I would say uh, back in 2013-14 when uh, WeChat Pay Alipay, they just like took the market you know, uh, share so dramatically was because of that. Because unlike Japan, the cash, the notes were usually very dirty, especially in like markets, you know, people buying and selling vegetables and meat in a, in a you know, outdoor situation. Cash can be really dirty. So uh, nobody wanted to touch cash to begin with back in 2014. I think that's exactly why people preferred to use smartphone payment at the beginning, and even now, more so. Have some of these shops and restaurants started to reopen? In China, uh, the number I heard is 99% of facilities are open already. However, I think in Japan, it's just got started. Uh, like I said, uh, there is no enforcement in terms of uh, closure of uh, retail locations and restaurants and bars until a couple of days ago, the governor of Tokyo just, uh, you know, strongly suggested the, the nightclubs, the bars to refrain from opening. Really interesting. Do you think these are permanent changes? And if so, are there other permanent changes that you see on the horizon in terms of payments? Yes, uh, I do see this as a permanent change. But I would say smartphone payments is cheaper than cash right now because of the heavy uh, subsidized from the government and from the uh, e-wallet companies. And smartphone payment is more, it's convenient in terms of speed, in terms of, you know, you carry, you can carry it wherever you, you, you are and you can never be short of cash, right? So you don't need to go to ATM anymore. So I would say smartphone payment will be a permanent trend. Uh, I think it will happen rather quicker uh, than China. So my prediction is in, in two, the longest three years, um, most of the people in Japan will, will switch to smartphone payment. Absolutely. Now, um, anytime there's an economic downturn for merchants, advertising becomes increasingly important. How do you see merchants in Japan using payments data and mobile wallets to increase their ability to advertise and bring new customers in the door? Yes, it's definitely happening. I start seeing larger companies in, uh, like restaurant companies in Japan start moving to digital advertising and also targeted digital advertising instead of just mass marketing. I think everything has to start from um, e-commercializing, you know, creating all this, what we call inventory management system and user management system to actually link all the data together so that they can start analyzing and figure out the different behaviors from different types of customers. And I'm going to ask you a question in terms of your predictions, because you've shared with us some great predictions already. When do you predict that the uh, Japanese economy will be back to normal, basically at Q3 2019, <laughs> pre-recession levels? And I'm going to ask you the same question for China. So if you look at China, it took China about two months to go through the cycle from the outbreak of the coronavirus is in uh, January, right? And the lockdown started late January. And uh, the lockdown almost finished in April right now. So it took China about two to two and a half months to get everything under control, to try to bring everything back to normal. It's still not normal, uh, but I would say give it a month or two, it'll sort of be, be normal because the, the economy cannot, you know, afford uh, to have the situation, you know, uh, last for too long. So I would say the entire cycle took about maybe four to five months. In Japan, I think is less drastic. So therefore, the entire cycle could be longer. Um, I'd say six months. 
uh, my prediction is late May, June, July, I, I would say the general lockdown will be finished and people will start moving freely and the economy will start coming back. So, Lou, your prediction, China went from the beginning of the cycle to back to normal in about three months. In the case of yep. Japan, um, the cycle took uh, or cycle will take uh, about six months. Um you know the U.S. pretty well, too, as a market. What would be your prediction for the U.S.? I would say U.S. is probably similar to Japan, even though it's more tightly controlled than Japan. But it's, it's you know, it happened a little late, right? So I think the situation got, you know, out of control a little bit. So you need a little bit more action, a little bit more time to get back the control. But uh, it will take probably six months for the U.S. to recover. Thank you, Lou. And I'm looking forward to uh, grabbing dinner with you either in Tokyo or San Francisco when this is all done. Looking forward to it, Lou. Yes. Yeah, same here. Thank you, folks. Uh, that's Lou Dong, CEO of Take Me Pay, talking to us from Tokyo. Things are pretty tough right now. Believe me, I get it. So it's tough to look past this COVID-19 thing, especially because the worst is yet to come. But the fact is, the companies that survive and prosper will be the ones that look ahead, past the carnage, and plan for the future. As we look at Asia, there are a few key lessons that come through loud and clear for our industry. Every business person at a bank, a payments company, or a merchant is well advised to read the tea leaves of what's going on in Asia. First, change up your game by geography and industry. The economics and payments recovery after COVID-19 is going to vary by region and industry. And as we just heard from Lou, the reopening of business has been much quicker in China than in Japan. That will be the case in the U.S. and Europe, too. For example, California is likely to recover much more rapidly than other regions of the U.S., companies that change up their recovery game by region, they're going to be able to outperform those that don't. When it comes to the recovery, one size does not fit all. This logic also holds for different industries. Sectors including retail and travel will recover much more slowly. But technology, payments, e-commerce, and healthcare, they're going to recover much more quickly. Second, expect some permanent changes. We are never going back to the way business operated before the virus. Bricks and mortar merchants will never regain the 90% plus share of consumer spending they had before COVID hit. E-commerce will permanently take some of that market share. Consumers also are not gonna go back to paying only with cash and credit cards. Instead, companies should expect and forecast that there's going to be some permanent share shift to new technologies like mobile wallets and e-commerce. The best performing companies will anticipate these changes and embrace them in their new business models. A great example of this is the local restaurant industry. Most small local restaurants have realized they need to add online ordering and delivery to survive through COVID-19 and after coronavirus. And third, stay optimistic. The recovery may actually happen more quickly than we all expect. Only nine weeks after COVID-19 hit, China is mostly reopened for business. 
traffic and congestion delays are back to 79% of what they were before the virus, and factory coal consumption is back to 75% of 2019 levels. The companies that are ready in the starting blocks for the rebound will win. Next week on the show, we'll pivot from Asia to Europe and talk with European retailers that are managing through the most significant downturn in recent memory. We'll learn how they're making it through using new technologies to compete and survive. But for now, thanks for tuning in to FinTech Friday. Talk to you next week. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. This is Silvio Tavares signing off.